Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about lives being changed. So if you've been positively affected by Velocity Church, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Thanks, and enjoy the message. last seven weeks called The Proving Ground, and really the idea of this series is that our personal potential is unknown until it's proven. And what we've discovered is that our life is filled with opportunities called proving grounds. Now, I do want to be clear, especially for those of you it's your first time, is that what we're not talking about is that you have to work to earn God's grace, or work to earn your salvation, or work to get God to love you. God's love for you, his grace for you, your salvation is not based on your performance. Let's get that settled right off the bat. His grace extends to you on your worst day as much as it does on your best day. That being said, you can grow, you can develop, you can mature, In fact, that's God's will for your life, is that you wouldn't stay a spiritual infant, a spiritual baby, but that you would grow into all that he has for you, that you would exercise your faith, that you would pass the test as they come along. And God's primary way of developing us is through something called proving grounds or tests. And everybody here is being tested right now. We've looked at a number of tests that you might be going through, but today as we close this out, we're really talking about something that, in my opinion, is the foundational principle for every test that we're gonna encounter. And the test we're talking about today is the lordship test, the lordship test. Now we've said that every test asks a question, and what the lordship test comes to ask is, do you accept that God's way is always right. Now, on the surface, that seems easy. Of course, God's way is always right. But if you've lived any amount of time at all, you know that that's not so easy to live out. Am I right? It can be challenging to put into practice. Well, what I'm gonna talk to you about today is gonna give you some handles on how to pass this test And to do this, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is probably pretty familiar if you've grown up around church at all. If you're somewhat familiar with church, you've probably heard of this story. It takes place in Exodus chapter 4. Now, if you don't know anything about this part of the Bible, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we roll up on a man by the name of Moses. Moses is one of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament, really in all of the Bible. And... For me, just a little bit about me, I always like to look at the lives of people in the Bible, especially when I'm going through a struggle, because I like to see how they responded when they went through something, and that helps me learn how I can respond. That's one of the things I love about the Bible, is that the Bible's full of real people. And I mean real, like the Bible doesn't pull any punches, the Bible doesn't clean up people's stories, you see their story, mess and all. In fact, that's one of the things that gives me faith in the Bible. Because like if I was writing the Bible, I would try and clean up everybody's story, like make them look as good as possible. But the Bible doesn't do that. What you see is that these people had past, they made mistakes, they were messed up, and they were still people that God chose to use. 
Now, Moses is one of those people. You might not know this about Moses, but Moses, in his younger years, he killed a man in a moment of anger. And that moment caused him to run and flee. He's hiding out in the wilderness. He thought that moment was going to be the headline story for his life. But God shows up and he says, Moses, I haven't forgotten about you. I haven't forgotten about my people, and I haven't forgotten about you. I have a plan for them, and I have a plan for you too. I want to use you to lead them out of their bondage and out of their captivity. And might I just point out that Moses is 80 years old when God is speaking to him. So what's your excuse? What's your reason you think God can't use you. God is talking to an 80-year-old murderer saying, you're the person that I have handpicked to lead my people into the promised land. Can I tell you, I believe that God's best season of your life is ahead of you. Despite how good things have been in the past, despite the goodness of God, I believe what God has in front of you is so much better than what's behind you but you'll never experience it if you don't learn to pass this test. So we're gonna look at Moses and we're gonna see him struggle with this test a little bit. It's in Exodus four, starting in verse 10. God's speaking to Moses and Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses is like, uh, no. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. God doesn't like this. Says the Lord's anger burned against Moses and said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak. And we'll teach you what to do. He'll speak to the people for you. It will be as if he were your mouth and is as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. And then verse 20 says, So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. So what we see in this passage is that Moses is getting to know God. This is his first encounter with God, and he's discovering that God has known him all along. And what's fascinating to me in this is in his very first encounter with God, God starts challenging him right off the bat. You know, you don't really know someone until your relationship with them has been tested. Have you ever noticed that? You don't know a person's loyalty until their loyalty has been tested. You don't know somebody's love till their love has been tested. Marissa and I, we dated three and a half years before we got married. Our relationship was tested. But I knew, man, through those three and a half years, we can make it through that. Man, we're gonna make it through anything. In the same way, your relationship with God, you don't really know God until your relationship with him has been tested. And I'm concerned some of you have missed out knowing some of the facets of the character of God Because you've never allowed yourself to receive an instruction that's challenging, that maybe you don't agree with. You've obeyed it and seen the blessings of God on the other side of it. 
I want to help you pass this test today, the lordship test. I don't just want to help you pass it. I want to help you ace it. How many of you like to get A's on a test? Yeah, we'd like to get some A's on this test. How many of you, this may be the first test you have ever got an A on in your life. Don't raise your hand. Don't want to embarrass you. We're going to pass this test together. We're going to ace it. I'm calling this message today straight A's. Straight A's. Is it, was anybody a straight A student? You're not going to raise your hand, right? We don't want to, yeah. Don't want to put yourself on the line. You know I'm going to make fun of you. Well, this is a really simple message, so simple it's going to leave you with only one option, two options, to either accept it and apply it to your life or ignore it. It's going to be that simple. But I promise you, if you will apply this to your life, you will leave here changed. Your life will be different. It'll change everything else about your relationship with God. So it's always my custom to pray get into this. I know I need God's help. Would you pray with me? Bow your head. God, we thank you so much for your word and that every time we come into your presence is the opportunity for us to be changed. So God, we welcome you in this place today and we invite you into our life. We say, God, speak. We're listening. God, we say that nothing is off limits. Speak to any place in our heart, Father. Anything that we've been holding on to and trying to cover up, Lord, we welcome you because we know that in your word is the power to change and that when we follow your word, things are better. There's a blessing that comes. And so, God, we want your help today. Help me, God, as I speak your word. I believe you will. Thank you for it. And everybody who agrees with this can say in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have a favorite music artist or favorite song? Anybody? Favorite style of music? Favorite artist? Yeah. Um, Anybody like music? You guys didn't always raise your hand. You're like, I'm not participating. Um, I like to find out people's favorites uh, when I'm getting to know somebody. For me, it's kind of a shortcut in the relationship. Like, it tells me immediately whether or not, like, this is a divine flow. Like, if you're going to be in my life for a while or whether I'm not going to talk to you ever again. <laughs> I mean, really. Like, you can tell a lot about a person just by finding out their preferences. Wouldn't you agree? In fact, you know, we want people to get to know each other and create community. I would love it if you would just turn to the person next to you and tell them your favorite music artist, your favorite song. Go ahead and do that now. Just tell them your, your favorite artist. Okay, it shouldn't take you that long. That's enough. That's enough. How, how many of you, how many of you, uh, what the person, what your neighbor told you is somebody that you hated? Anybody? They said something that you hated? Yes. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, I, I'm curious. What? Just throw out some of your favorite music artists. I want to know. Just let, let's hear it. R. Did you say R. Kelly? I hope not. We're going to invite you down front and pray for you. Did somebody, what, somebody else, let, let's get a real one. Come on. What's that? Rent Collective. What? Billy Joel. Hey, that's a good one. That's good. Anybody else? Garth Brooks. He does have a lot of sold out events. I will give him that. Give him that. My, uh, my kids have a favorite, a, a new favorite artist. I hesitate to use that word. 
Um, I guess it's a real guy. His name is Marshmallow. Has anybody ever heard of Marshmallow? You've heard of Marshmallow? It's legit. Marshmallow. The funny thing is, what kind of name is Marshmallow? He wears a marshmallow on his head. That's his thing. Oh, yeah. That's his thing. Uh, but the funny thing is, they would, like, say Alexa. Like, Alexa, play Marshmallow. They can't always pronounce their words well, kind of like Moses. And so, uh, Alexa thought they were saying Post Malone. So, Alexa would start playing Post Malone every time they'd ask for a marshmallow. But um, pray for my kids. That's why I bring up that story. Uh, actually, I brought it up because it's funny how quickly conflict can arise just by speaking your preferences, right? The, the moment you bring up your preferences, like fights can break out in the room over what's good and, and what's not. And I bring that up because that is precisely what the lordship test comes to prove, is that when you're in a position, you find yourself in a situation where God gives you an instruction, and that instruction doesn't line up with your instincts or your preferences, will you obey God over your preferences? Because if you haven't figured this out by now, God is going to speak to you, and he will often say things that don't line up with your natural instincts. God will tell you to do things that seem opposed to your preferences. And if you never learn to move past your natural instincts and you're always ignoring the authority of God, you're going to miss out on the blessings of God that come from obedience. And you will never accomplish all that God has created you to do. Now, when we talk about that, the blessings that come from obedience, like I've met people, sometimes they will bristle up against that idea. They don't like the, the thought or the fact that God would bless you for your obedience. They think that seems contrary to God's nature. They think it seems short-sighted, seems like a bribe. What they fail to recognize is that God does not withhold blessing from anybody. His blessings are avail available to anybody who will obey. You see, the truth is God created you. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he created the universe. He knows the necessary actions it's going to take to create the desired result. He knows that. Just like in the same way with my kids, if I, I, I mean, God placed them in my life because he trusted me as a parent. I've been on the earth a little bit longer than they have. I know some things they're going to want in their future. And if I'm telling them, hey, don't eat so much candy. Hey, do your homework. You need to study. Things that they wouldn't normally want to do. Because the problem is you think, well, if God was really good, why doesn't he just bless me anyway? Or if God was really good, why would he tell me to do stuff that I don't want to do? The same thing with my kids. If I just let them do whatever they want to do, I know that that's not going to create the future that they actually want. At some point in the future, they are going to want a job. And they may want teeth when they have that job. So I'm going to tell them, lay off the candy, eat your fruits and vegetables, do your homework, study. I'm not telling them that to bribe them to get what I want. I'm instructing them because I know what they want. Same way with God's instructions in your life. He, he's given you instructions because he knows what you want. 
he knows what's best for you. Well, as we looked in this passage, Moses is met with an opportunity where God's instruction seems contrary to his instincts. It seems opposed to his preferences. See, God is trying to convince Moses of the call that he's placed on his life. And it's the same thing with you and I. Really, following God is going to be a series of proving grounds in our life where God tells us to do something that doesn't seem like it lines up with what we want to do. I'll give you an example. You know, lots of times we think about being a Christian in the same sense of meaning I accepted Jesus as my Savior, placed my trust in him for salvation of my sins. And that's true. I wouldn't argue that. In fact, one of the privileges of my life, being the pastor of this church, is I get to see so many people raise their hand to accept Jesus as their Savior. They raise their hand to receive forgiveness, raise their hand to receive salvation, raise their hand to pray a prayer of faith. I love that. But can I tell you, there is a difference between accepting Jesus as Savior and accepting him as Lord of your life. And when we come to God, we accept him as Lord and Savior. When he's Lord of your life, what that means is you are placing your life under the authority of God's word. You're saying, God, I want to follow the path that you've laid out for me. God, I am aligning my will to your will. God, I'm following after you. You're Lord, I'm not. That's what it means when you place your faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. And what a lot of people do is they, they stop short. They don't do the whole thing. Well, they receive forgiveness, but they're gonna go their own way. And it's the same struggle that Moses is facing in Exodus chapter four. God is giving him some instruction, uh, doesn't line up with what I want. God's speaking his word. Are you gonna place your life under the authority of my word? God's sharing his will. Are you gonna align your will with my will? And we're gonna look at this today, but before we get into it too much, I probably need to back up and give you some context on this because what's interesting is the way this all goes about. If you're familiar with the story, you might know this, but if you don't know, God begins to speak to Moses in a very significant and unique way. You can read about it in Exodus chapter three, verse one. It says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm gonna go over, see this strange sight, why this bush doesn't burn up. Now, can I be real with you for a moment? This burning bush instance has always annoyed me. Oh, do you wanna know why? Because Moses is talking to God and he's struggling to commit. He is having this divine encounter. He's like, uh, I'm not so sure. Let me think about it a little bit. Let me give you some, kind of like if God spoke to me this way, I don't think I would struggle, Moses. 
I wish God would speak to me this way. Like, I wish when I'm studying, like, he would just light my Bible on fire and start writing my sermon in the wall with his finger. That would make it a lot easier to know what I'm supposed to say and how to follow God's will. I don't get a burning bush, Moses. Like, Moses, can you just shut up and do what God's telling you to do? You're making the rest of us sick. But I want to think a little bit more deeply about this because if you really look at the passage, there's not anything so exciting going on here until the fire comes. Let's think through everything that happened. Moses is on the backside of the desert. He's in the wilderness tending sheep. Not just tending sheep, tending his father-in-law's sheep. This is not a glamorous lifestyle. He's been doing this for 40 years. The same thing every day, just like it was yesterday. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the proven grounds come in the ordinary, routine, daily, doing what you did the day before, day in, day out, there's not going to be a lightning bolt in the sky that says this is a proving ground. There's not going to be a moment that says, hey, newsflash, you're being tested right now. You know, it comes in the day in, day out, monotonous routine. Even in this, the, the, the bush is just an ordinary bush. Nothing special about the bush until the fire shows up. And the question I want to ask you is, when God speaks to you, will you acknowledge it? Acknowledge. That's the first thing I want you to write down. Because a lot of us miss what God is saying because we think that he's going to show up and write it in the sky with a flash of lightning and a loud sound. And if God gives me that kind of instruction, well, then I can obey it. But that's not how God's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you in the ordinary, routine, mundane. Really, you want to know what the fire represents? The fire represents God's presence. In Scripture, fire is God's presence. So God puts his presence on an ordinary bush. And God will put his presence in an ordinary day. He'll put his presence into an ordinary conversation. And he will begin to speak to you through your spouse. And he will begin to speak to you through your kids. And he'll begin to speak to you through your parents. And he'll speak to you through that message. And he'll speak to you through your parents. He'll speak to you in an ordinary moment, in an ordinary day. The question isn't, is God instructing you? The question is, will you acknowledge it? Will you acknowledge it? So Moses says, there's something going on here going to acknowledge it. I'm going to go check it out and see why God's presence is on this thing. So he goes over there. God starts speaking and says, Moses, I'm going to bring my people out of captivity. I want you to lead it. And Moses is like, um, not so sure you got the right guy, God. It's a proving ground. So it's not just will he acknowledge it. Now it's will he accept it? Accept it. That's the second thing. Will you accept what God has said? And what's interesting about when God starts speaking is I've found 
a lot of us don't struggle so much to accept who God is. We struggle to accept who we are. Now, I got to tell you, you do have to know who God is. You do. Moses actually asked God that question. He's like, hey, you want to send me? I need to know who you are. If you want me to speak on your behalf, they're going to say, who sent me? I need a name. God's like, okay, well, tell them I am. And Moses is like, what, I didn't catch that last part? I, I, you were going to tell me I am, and then like the call got dropped or something. I am. Can you say that again? God said, yeah, that's what I am. I, I am what, God? Whatever you need. Whatever you need. You need a father, I am your father. You need a friend, I am your friend. You don't feel like you're resourced, I am your provider. You don't know the way, I am your guide. I will be whatever you need. I am who you need if you trust me. So you do gotta know who God is. God is all sufficient. But I've found most of us don't struggle to believe who God is. We struggle to believe who we are. We can accept that God is in control. We can accept that God is all powerful, that God is all sufficient. I just can't accept myself. That was Moses' problem. Because he's like, I already know my past. I already know all my dysfunction. I killed somebody. I can't speak well. That's what he's saying in the text. God, you want to use me? I, I need you to change how I speak. God never changed how he spoke. You are just the way you need to be. And God's challenging him to accept who he is. I wonder, is there something about yourself you struggle to accept? Man, I, I know I do. There, there's so many things I feel like I struggle to accept. And God wants to challenge you to accept who you are, to accept what he said about you. And the problem is, if you don't accept something about yourself, you begin to project something about yourself. Now, a lot of times we think, well, what I'm projecting, like, oh, I know where you're going, Pastor. You're going to talk about my Instagram highlight reel and all the stuff that I post on there that's not true because I want people to like me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the stuff that you project, your insecurity, your doubts, your mistakes, your brokenness, and you think that's humility. It's not. You're thinking, I'm, uh, I'm no good. I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. I can't do this. Look at me. And that's the problem. You're trying to get everybody to look at you. See, pride isn't just when you're puffing out your chest, talking about how great you are. Pride is anytime your eyes are on yourself. And if you want God to resist you, you just start talking about yourself. Your brokenness, your pain, your past, your mistakes, your insecurity. And so Moses, he's struggling to accept who he is and God's not done challenging him. If you read on, we didn't read this part in the story, but God challenges him by saying, hey, there's something that you're carrying and I'm gonna challenge you. He asked him this question. He says, what's in your hand? It's significant that he would ask him that because 
what he was carrying really had a lot to do with his self-image, his status, his identity, his way of thinking, how he saw himself. See, he was carrying a shepherd's staff. God wants to speak to him about leading a nation, and he's carrying a shepherd's staff. He's challenging him. You know what he said? He said, drop it. Drop it. See, before God can change something in your life, he has to challenge something in your life. And he wants to know what you've been carrying, your attitudes, your opinions, how you see yourself, what you think about this, your preferences. Are you willing to lay it down? I want to change it, but I can't change it unless you let me challenge it. I want to know, will you lay it down? So Moses, he, he drops it. He drops it on the ground. Sees it for what it is, becomes a snake. And God tells him to pick it back up. When he picks it back up, it changes. It's no longer just the staff. It's called the staff of God. See, I wonder what's the things that you've been carrying. God wants to change, so he's trying to challenge you to lay it down. Pick it back up so he can change it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an attitude a way of thinking, you got to drop it. So Moses acknowledges that God is speaking to him. He accepts what God has said, who God is and who he is. You're God, I'm not. I accept what you've said, but he's not done yet. And this is the most important step. And what I'm going to tell you next is not something that I read in a book. It's not something that I learned somewhere else. This is something that I have lived and experienced, and I'm telling you, if you will embrace this next part, you will not regret it. You can't embrace this next part and live to regret it. I promise you. But I see a lot of people jack their lives up because they choose to go their own way. Resist what God has said. It's not just acknowledging it. It's not just accepting it. You got to act on it. You got to act on it. What's interesting in this story is Moses never tells God that he agrees with him. You read through the whole encounter, Exodus 3 and 4. Moses never says, you know what, God, you convinced me. Okay, I see your point. Hard to argue with that. Yes, I'll do it. Moses never tells God yes he never says, okay. The only thing we see is in verse 20, where it says, Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. You see, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Will you do what God says? That's what this test is about. You, you want to, pass with straight A's, you got to acknowledge, you got to accept, you got to act. When you recognize this, what you realize is that this proving ground is a lifestyle. So I'm going to remember that even though it seems small, 
I'm going to bring my best because the little things matter. Even when it's easy to start reaping the benefits, I'm going to keep my motives, my priorities pure. I'm going to live for God's glory, not my own glory. Even when it'd be easier to slack off, I'm going to stay consistent. When somebody hurts me, I have already made the decision to forgive. I'm going to embrace what God is doing. I'm not going to try and hold on to old patterns. I'm going to embrace the new thing. I'm going to remember that I'm an overcomer, that I will endure. It's a lifestyle. Will you acknowledge what you accept? Will you act? That is all God ever wants from you. In fact, that is all you need to do to be saved. Have you thought about that? Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Accept the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And act on it with a prayer of faith. I want to give you that opportunity this morning.